The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Good morning and welcome uh, to Overland Park Community Church. Uh, I am Shay Haddock. For those of you that don't know, um, nice to meet you. Good to see you. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, as, as one uh, funny uh, uh, guy said one time, uh, I, 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 it, it was out in the parking lot and uh, he had a buddy that had come uh, to visit, and I had seen him out in the parking lot, and I said, hey, good morning, guys, and they were like, hey, how you doing, man? And, uh, and one of them goes, yeah, man, that's the backup pastor. <laughs> so uh, I'm the backup pastor. It was, it was awesome, man. I loved it. I think it was you, man. It was so funny. I got a great kick out of that. Um, so yeah, man, you got the backup pastor today, uh, so hopefully I don't lay an egg up here. Jimmy uh, is taking some time, uh, vacation, usually this time of year. Uh, early November is a ruddy, deary kind of time. Of course, Pastor Jimmy's already shot a big buck this year, so I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's sleeping in. Maybe he's at IHOP. I don't know, but I hope he's enjoying some time off. You're going to have to put up with me uh, this week and next week. So um, this is uh, going to be a bit of a vision series. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a breather from the book of Revelation, Pastor Jimmy uh, has been doing a phenomenal job of leading us and teaching us through uh, some wild and crazy uh, apocalyptic literature. Uh, the book of Revelation is, uh, it can be an intimidating uh, book and a study for people. And so, man, I'm thankful for Jimmy's leadership with us uh, and teaching us through that. We're going to take a little bit of a breather, uh, but in, in light of that and the, teaching, uh, the teachings of Jesus in Revelation through John, the Revelator, uh, we are just can't help but be excited about the things to come, right? I mean, there's a lot of forecasting and a lot of things uh, to look forward to, uh, certainly the return of Christ, right? And the reign and rule of Jesus literally on planet Earth, right? Jimmy reminded us that, um, you know, our bodies uh, will be resurrected. There will be a day where we literally are given new bodies, man. That is awesome. There will be a, there will be a period of time where we literally re-inhabit the Earth. Like, that is super awesome. Like, we don't just like die and they put us six feet in the ground or cremate us and then we kind of like a vapor mist go up into the clouds, you know? No. Like, it's cool to think and talk about, like, Jesus has given us a really uh, intense description uh, of what life is going to be like. Man, we are, we are in a really neat period of time in human history and uh, it is an exciting time to follow Jesus uh, but man, there is a lot more to come, whether it's on this side of eternity or the next. And so join with me, though, uh, in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to start in Luke 4, chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. This is the beginning of the public ministry for Jesus. Uh, he just got uh, through spending 30 days in the wilderness uh, with uh, Satan himself. Uh, Satan had tempted him, certainly even tempted him, uh, with the very word of God, right? Um, and Jesus said, do not put the Lord God uh, to the test. Uh, and when the devil had finished uh, his tempting of Jesus, the devil left him until an opportune time. So that's where we find ourselves in verse 14 here. 
Jesus returned after being tempted in the wilderness. He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's really important. Jesus' ministry was began in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, okay? So Jesus takes a trip back to where the place where he grew up. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So Jesus goes back to Nazareth. He's in his early 30s at this point. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. He's filled with the Spirit. Uh, he, he resisted the temptation of the devil where the devil offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow down. And Jesus said, you should not tempt the Lord your God, right? And so Jesus is in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, now reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit, and this is a quote from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. So he is, he is literally proclaiming himself to be the Messiah right in front of these people. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Jesus' mission here. Proclaim good news to the poor. He, the God the Father, has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the sent one of God. I stand here before you reading what was prophesied several hundred years prior that this is happening right now. And this is my mission. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now this must have shocked them, blew them away, many of them skeptical, that this man is proclaiming to be the very Son of God, the Savior of the world, in the flesh, right there on stage. That's indeed what Jesus was saying. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, though, they asked? Jesus said, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you'll tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you've done in Capernaum. But Jesus said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow and Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy during the time of Elisha the prophet, but yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built. And I've been to Nazareth. It's pretty amazing. It's a city way up on a cliff with the valley of Megiddo running down the edge of it. And they literally, you can go to this very cliff that is described here. But it says in verse 30, but he walked through the crowd and went 
on his way. This is the, the, the very time in Scripture where we see um, where Jesus uh, begins his, and to describe his mission, and he starts his ministry. And just as a, a way of reminder, he was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recover sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so certainly Jesus' purpose was indeed to come and die for the sins of the people, right? Like you and I. Jesus hung on the cross, died a fearsome death, was brutally uh, humiliated publicly for you and I. He bore the punishment that you and I deserve on the cross of Calvary and rose from the dead on the third day so that we might have salvation. But that wasn't all Jesus came to do. He, this, is, this is exactly what he came. And then from here, he starts to call his disciples unto himself, and he starts to show them how to do life, how to be missional, how to make disciples, how to follow him, how to serve others, how to love like Jesus loved. He starts to teach them, and that's exactly what God has asked us to do. One thing I wanted to note um, here was, man, that Jesus had passion. He told them, he said, look, I mean, there were during the days of Elijah and during the days of Elisha, there were plenty of needs, but they weren't all met, right? Like only the things that were done according to the will of God, right? And that's just so important. Like there's needs all over the world. There's needs all over the community, and there's needs all over the church, even our little congregation here. But man, they don't all need to be done, and they're not all going to get done. The things that shall be done are the things that God designed and, and, and wants from us. That's our focus, there's a million things we could do here, but we don't do them all because God's not leading us to do them. It's just the same thing with like, like Jesus is explaining uh, in the time. He said, man, um, there are some things that are going to appear to be missed, but they're not missed um, in vain, okay? And so that's, uh, we'll see that here in just a minute. But um, what I love is that it disfuriated the, uh, the people in the synagogue. They were frustrated by Jesus' teaching here, but it was true. Um, and what's awesome uh, is Jesus had passion. And so I was like, man, uh, one of the things that uh, I was actually talking to my friend Brian uh, this, this week, and um, he, had, he had said something to me that was really cool because we, we were talking about deer hunting, and Brian shot a beautiful buck. Uh, didn't find it, and we were talking, and he, he was a little discouraged, I was a little discouraged, but he said a really good word that stuck with me. He said, man, I know that we're in some tough times in the season, but don't be discouraged, man. You've got passion, and, and, and a lot of people in this world lack passion about anything right now, uh, and, and that, was, was, that kind of stuck with me, and so I just Googled. I said, well, what is passion? What is the definition of passion? And two things came up on Webster's search. One was passion is a strong uh, a, a strong and barely controllable emotion. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And so it's like a sensation or a feeling. But then the number two definition of passion was the suffering and death of Jesus on the cross. It's straight out of Webster's. So a strong and barely controllable emotion, and then the suffering and death of Jesus on the cross. Man, that's fascinating. Those are the spectrum's real wide in the definition of passion, right? And so one I noticed like that, uh, the top one was, uh, passion was like a, 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 a mo, uh, an emotion or a sensation or a feeling, right? And the second one was the act 
or the actual working out of our salvation by Jesus on the cross. Literally the man, the perfect man, giving up his life for those who aren't. Like, that's incredible. So Jesus had passion. And my question for you guys today, and what I want to fuel the, the purpose of our talk, is are you as passionate about what God has called you to as Jesus was? How passionate was Jesus? He died on the cross, a death that he didn't deserve because he didn't want to be separated from you and I. That's passion. Jesus was passionate about what God the Father had sent him to do. Are you that passionate about what God has asked and sending you to do? Do you know what Jesus has called you to? A lot of people struggle with that. They don't know, they believe in God. They might even go a step further and believe that in Jesus, that Jesus was the Son of God and find salvation in him. They might be a born-again Christian, which is amazing. They'll, they'll have a place in heaven and a purpose that God will use them for there, but they don't know what Jesus has called them to in the here and now. Like, what do I do, right? Um, and, and a lot of times people are going back to the, the analogy of passion or the contrast between the emotion and the action. A lot of people are like, yeah, I don't feel that passionate about Jesus or about the, his church or about his love. And it's like, well, man, if you're sitting around and waiting on an emotion to spur on action, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're not, but that's not how the Holy Spirit works. You don't just do nothing, and then the Spirit of God just fills you with all this passion, and then you go out and live for Jesus. No, it's the opposite. You go out and live for Jesus. You do the things that God has asked you to do, and out of that, passion comes. I'll give you an example, and you guys are going to have to tolerate me talking a little bit about deer hunting. It's early November, and that's just that time of year. But one of the things I was, so I, Molly and I have the great fortune. Uh, we've had the opportunity over the last couple of years. We own two different farms, and we lease another farm in Leavenworth County. And so we, got, we have plenty of places to hunt, man. We have lots of places to hunt. God's been so good to us. We're fortunate. But I like big bucks, like big ones, man like humongous bucks. That's what fires me up. And I just don't have one. I don't have one on my farm in Ottawa. I don't have one on my farm in Atchison. I don't have one on my lease in Leavenworth. And I'm like, my passion was dwindling. Like, I, like and I didn't know why. I'm like, well, I've got places to hunt. There's definitely bucks out there. But why? It's because there's not a big buck. And so I just, the Lord was like, well, man, you better pick up the phone. You got to make some calls. So I'm like, where do I know where the, where the big bucks are? And I, Jimmy and I used to hunt a place a couple years ago um, that was absolutely covered up in big deer. But it was a small farm. It was an 80-acre farm, and we could only get the deer on camera at night. And we knew they lived over there. They lived on the neighbors. We, and we put all kinds of cameras out, like worse than the most high-end tech home surveillance in Overland Park, man. This, this farm was under surveillance. There was some big deer over there. And we could tell which direction they were coming from. And they were all coming off this guy's farm. So guess what I did? I mean, I dialed that boy up. I said, dude, look here, man. 
I, I would really like to hunt your place. I'd be willing to pay a solid dollar. I'm not rich or anything, but man, I would make a substantial financial sacrifice to be able to hunt your place, man. He called me back. He said, well, I need to make some calls, blah, blah. Let me check to make sure. Anyway, I thought it was a long shot, but lo and behold, Mr. Judd called me yesterday and he said, man, if you're serious, young man, you write up a contract, I'll give you the exclusive, you send me the check, and I hope you kill the big one. I thought, let's go. And I was fired up, man. I was back in the game. I took some action, right? And sure enough, man, I went out and hunted last night. There's some big deer in there. I saw them. And I'm back to being excited. It was my action that invoked a passion, right? I got jacked up, man, because I made some moves. And that's what we're here to do this morning. Jesus said, John chapter 6, 38 verse 40, he says, For I've come from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those that he has given me and raise them up at the last day. That's why Jesus came. He came to redeem us. And because God is outside of time, he knew and knows who's going to and will be redeemed uh, because he's outside of time, right? And not one of them will not be redeemed because that's it, the plan of God will transpire. It will happen. And God will use us to reach those that he's desiring to be in relationship with. He already knows that people will be saved, but he's going to use us and invite us in the process so that it can inspire us. And we have a story to tell. And that's just how God has designed uh, humans and his plan. John 14 verse 12 says, Jesus uh, tells us very truly, I tell you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater than these, because I'm going to be with the Father, right? So Jesus goes to be with the Father. The Holy, he leaves the Holy Spirit here for us to fill us and indwell us so that we can do his work. Do we're literally called to do exactly what Jesus would be doing if he were walking here with us, right? That's what we're called to do. And so I want to uh, share a diagram with you guys. Uh, I, I, if you guys would put it up on the screen here, and I forgive me, those of you online, you may not be able to see this very well, if even at all. Uh, I apologize, but um, I, I definitely, I didn't get very good grades in school, and it's probably because... Um, it was all I could do to put together a PowerPoint like this. And this is like from the 1990s, okay? Yeah, it looks pretty solid though, man. You like my colors and my... I even changed the fill color on the background and all that, dude. What a deal. What a deal. So uh, I feel like the church, man, needs some help. Like not just our church, but the global church. Uh, and that's God's put a passion in me to help people understand maybe what a more of a fruit-bearing life could look like. So if you know Jesus, if you've given your life to him, uh, and you, are, you, are, you, you have obtained salvation through faith in Christ, if you haven't, and, and God's knocking on the door of your heart, man, just see me after service. Like, you need to give your life to Jesus, okay? And you need to give your life to Jesus because he will change your life. We'll put you in the tank up here in a couple weeks, and you can tell everybody that God's done a great work in you. And that will be awesome. But for the rest of you, if you are saved and you believe Jesus uh, has died for your sin and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and power for ministry, just like Jesus was in Luke 4, this, and again, this is just kind of what, this is a vision that God has shared with me that I am, uh, he has tasked me to share with you this morning, okay? So 
It's kind of a five-fold, and I just made this up, okay? I believe it's just something, this is kind of how I see my life. Now, I want my life to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, okay? So that's everything is centered around that. And, and I want to live the transformed life, right? The only reason I'm even up here, like on stage, is because Jesus changed my life. Like, why else would I be up here? There's just no other point. It's not because they pay me great. It's not because I like public speaking. It's not because I don't have anything else to do. Like, I'm up here because Jesus changed my life, and he's asked me to impart that, tell my story, so that he can continue to change your life, so that you can change others. That's the kingdom. So to bear fruit, I think we get confused, and sometimes it's the church's fault. Like, I would take ownership as a staff member and a leader within this church. I think we've leaned a little too heavy on some of these, and we've not really helped you or talked to you about the others, okay? Man, if you've been at this church for five years at all, you've heard us talking about making disciples. We make disciples. We're a church that makes disciples and makes disciples. And man, that's awesome. What did Jesus say to do? Go make disciples. So absolutely, that's what we should be doing. But it's not the only thing that we do. It's, it's a part of what we do, and it's a critical part of what we do. And it's a part that shouldn't be left out, but it's also a part that doesn't stand on its own. Okay? So... Personal abiding, and I'm going to go, I'm going to break this down for you. So I'm going to run down all five real quick. We're going to hit each of them uh, individually, and then I'm going to follow back up, right? It's like the sandwich approach, right? It's like the bread, the meat, and then the sandwich again on top, man. The full deal. So personal abiding, this is your personal relationship with Jesus. The, every, nothing else. You cannot bear fruit. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't spend time with Jesus and you don't walk with him personally, you're worthless in the kingdom in terms of your labor. You can't do anything of any value to God or, uh, or the kingdom at all if you're not resting and abiding in Jesus and, the, and the, the power of the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that was in Jesus, is living in you and coming out of you. Okay? So personally abiding is number one. And then there is no particular order in the rest of these. But we make disciples. Jesus said to do it, so therefore we ought to do it. And I'll explain to you what that looks like. Then we live life in community. There's a very important component about living communally with each other and experiencing spiritual family um, outside of the walls of the church. And we're going to talk about that. Service, man. If, if You cannot follow Jesus and not be giving your life to some type of service. Like you're fooling yourself. If you're serving you and you alone, man, that is not Jesus. Jesus literally died. He was perfect and was crucified for you and I. The perfect example of service. He gave his entire life for us. We ought to do something of service to give back. And the local church, man, this church, OPCC, this fellowship, this body of believers, right? What does that look like? So, the, the, the fruit-bearing person, the Christ follower, the, 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 the disciple of Jesus ought to have some element of each one of these parts flowing out of your life, okay? Some of it every day, some of it weekly, some of it monthly, some of it yearly. But definitely, each one of these arms is like a balanced diet. Like you need, a, you need a little bit of beet, you know, you need a little greens, you know, you need whatever, right? Depending on what diet you're on. But um, 
you know, there's a lot of them now. But um, anyway, it, this, is a ba- this is how I envision a balanced life. And we, I, the leadership team, need to help you understand and cast some vision over what it means to be balanced. So go to abiding. Next slide, please. Personally abiding. Again, this is, above all, the most important thing. You couldn't over-index on this. You can't possibly spend too much time with Jesus. There is no way. But it's prayer. It's literally praying. Where do, where do I, so what does this look like in my life? I have two places that I pray. What Three. Three places that I pray the most. My favorite place, man, by far, shower. I love, man, I love testing my hot water heater. Crank that thing up, man, and just stand there. I just stand there. I mean, I wash my hair and, you know, I scrub down pretty good, you know, get the pits, all that. But I will literally just stand there, man. I like that burning hot water hitting my neck. And I pray. And sometimes I sit there and pray so long, it literally the hot water's gone. I'm like, whoo, just getting cold, man. And I get out, right? That's my prayer time. I do like to pray sometimes in my office if my kids aren't up. If my kids are up, man, my office is not a refuge. It is like, it is like Grand Central Station for some reason, but that's okay. I love my kids. I like to pray there, but also in my truck. That's a place of solitude for me. I spend a lot of time in the truck. I'm in the land business, so I pray in the truck. Shower, office, truck. That's where I pray. Fasting. Dude, when, if you're like that song, uh, may, uh, Jesus bring new wine out of me. It's talking about the Holy Spirit, man. Like the Holy Spirit. Make me your vessel. Like I want to be your vessel. Like Jesus said, you, can, you, can only put, you should only put new wine into new wine skins, right? So the Holy Spirit only goes into those that have been transformed. The Holy Spirit does not go into those that have not been transformed. That's like, that's like doctrine 101, okay? So the Holy Spirit goes into those that have been transformed. And you should be continually transformed by the gospel and, the, and new wine. The freshness of the Holy Spirit comes in, right, to you. And um, you are um, being filled, right? But fasting, sometimes maybe you have to, when you fast, uh, you, you peel something back in your life and replace it with Jesus. The only, pur- the only purpose of a fast is for more of Jesus to be in you and to come out of you. Fasting, privately worshiping. Man, some of my favorite times is when nobody's home in my office, dude, I crank some YouTube. I mean, whatever your favorite praise and worship is. I mean, sometimes I like the new hip stuff like Maverick City or whatever, you know, they're pretty cool, man, and they're all bouncing around and they're like real hip. But I like some old school, like Stephen Curtis Chapman too, man, like heart of worship, like straight lyric video. Like this is like before music videos, right? But just either way, man, and just close my eyes and put my hands up. And I have like a little pull thing on my office chair where you can really lean that thing back. You can't get any work done in that position. But man, if I got the praise going, I just want to spend five minutes, 10 minutes praising the Lord, turn that thing up and just praise the Lord, man. Worship. My favorite time of worship. I love you guys, but it's not right here. It's in that chair when I'm singing, man. And it's me and Jesus. Private worship. So daily seeking the heart of Jesus, and that's discipling yourself. So we talk a lot about how important discipleship is. Oh, man, you got to get a D group, or you got to start a D group, or you got to, yes, like that's good, but you have to disciple yourself first. If you can't disciple yourself, you will not disciple somebody else, not healthily anyway. So personally abiding, this is number one, and this spurs everything else on. Next slide. 
Making disciples. Man, we have done this pretty well. Uh, we've definitely made a solid effort anyway to uh, establish discipleship groups, right? It's like an invitation where you are being intentional to invite people into your life to reproduce the work of Jesus in your life and someone else and help them do the same. That's discipleship. We do that in the format of D groups or discipleship groups. It works, but it's not the only thing that we do, nor should it be. But you need to engage in it. If you're not engaged in it, you should be. But if it's the only thing that you do and you think like, man, this is like, like you're fully polished in terms of following Jesus because you got a D group out of the ground, you've been deceived, okay? It's both. But it's dedicated time of investing. It's like, man, I'm going to set aside Thursday nights. I'm going to meet with these dudes, and we're going to get in the Word. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about repentance. We're going to talk about life transformation. We're going to talk about breakthrough. And we're going to move the needle in these guys' life to help them be more like Jesus. That's a discipleship group, okay? It's a confidence builder in fulfilling the Great Commission for you and for them. It's like Jesus, like when we get to the, to the throne and we have the, the, the judgment seat, right? The beam of seat of Christ. And, and Jesus looks down at Shay and says, Shay, did you make disciples, brother? Welcome to the kingdom, man. Did you make disciples? I'm gonna say, Brian, yeah, I did. Lord, I met every Thursday night, man, with the boys. And I did it for my whole life. I don't know if I did any good or not, Jesus. That's up for you to determine. But man, I tried. And he's going to say, I know you did, dude. That's awesome, man. Good job, right? That's how I envision it. It's a confidence builder. It makes me feel like I'm at least trying to do what Jesus asked me to do, okay? You're above reproach. It's a high invite, high challenge experience. You're inviting people into your life and you're letting them into all things of your life so that they can see how you follow Christ and they can follow him as they follow you. Next slide. Life in community. So if you're abiding, you're sitting with Jesus, you've got you a discipleship group going, whether you're leading or following, doesn't matter. There's a season for everything, right? You're abiding with Jesus. You are um, engaged in disciple-making. Now life in community happens, man. And then this is where the kingdom is super fun. Like, this is like my favorite part about following Jesus. This happens outside the building. Like, this doesn't happen here, okay? Um, there's some awesome things that happen here, but this is not one of them. Life in community is mostly experienced in the home or in the workplace or at the soccer fields or wherever you do life, right? In the deer woods, it doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's what, you're, what God has you doing about your daily life with your kids or yourself or your spouse it's reaching new people for the gospel, so there's parts of it that are evangelistic, right? But it can also uh, have a discipleship component to it as well. But the real fun about life in community is you're reaching new people. Like, people are hungry to know what it's like to follow Jesus. People want to know the truth. And sometimes they might be lost, right, and actually in need of salvation, or they might just be lost in the sense that they don't have a home. They don't have a spiritual home. They're saved, but they're just not connected in community, and you're that peace for them, okay? Um, you're creating connection for people, inviting them to your house, um, inviting them to go camping or to go whatever it is, whatever God's what a passion. You know, I'm passionate about deer hunting. Well, man, I go take somebody with me, you know, or use it uh, to glorify God in some way. But reaching people through community, it's like, and, you, and, and another thing I like to do is play spiritual Cupid, you know, 
Sometimes I'll meet somebody and like this dude could be really like artistic and creative and it's like, guess what, dude, that ain't me. But I, it's awesome, but like he needs to be with Sean or Corey and I'm, I'm playing spiritual Cupid like, ah, oh, this dude's good at this. He has a gift at this or a passion for this or an interest that I don't necessarily share, but I see God working in him and I know this person that they, these two people would share, put them together, spiritual Cupid. Put, connect people, man. That's how, that's how the kingdom works. Like, you got to be able to mobilize and, and get some people together. And you know what? When you start hearing stories about how God's changed their life, because you put them with this other person, you'll be like, let's go. You're excited because you're like, God, you used me. I didn't even do anything. All I did was connect people. But man, that's a really awesome way you can serve Jesus is live life in community. But guess what? If you spend your entire life living for yourself and thinking about what you want to do and what you like to do and where you want to live and how you want to spend your money and blah, 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 you're never going to live life in community. If you like your home and it's super pretty and it's not messy, but you just never have anybody over, you're, you're, you suck at this. I've just got to be honest, okay? If you, if you don't ever have anybody over, you're not good at this, and that's okay. It doesn't mean you don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean that God's shaming you nor am I. I'm just telling you, this is a muscle you're not flexing. You're a little weak here. You can flex this, okay? Next, serving others. Man, serve. Like I said, you can't, serve, you can't follow Jesus without some degree of service, right? There's lots of service opportunities right here in the church, okay? Like youth group. Man, I'm looking for some strong leaders that can come and serve and be a blessing to the young people. Like, I'm looking for some longevity, man. I'm not looking for somebody to just come and, you know, buy a bag of chips and high-five the kids on the way in, man. I'm talking, I want somebody that's going to invest and pour their life into these young people and that they can trust and go to. Um, I'm looking for that. That's a service opportunity. Uh, We got all kinds of stuff around here, man. Kids ministry, nursery, uh, who knows what, man. Lots and lots of stuff. Um, But service is just putting others before yourself. Some people are really good at this. Um, You know, I would say gender-specific boys, not trying to be too sexist here, but, man, women are typically a lot better at this than men. Okay, um, they just are. They're, women are wired towards service, and that's why we love them. Um, but uh, men, this is a this is a muscle we gotta flex. Like some of the dudes have got to get in the game. Like you need to serve, man. If you aren't confident how you're serving the Lord with giving up your time or your resources or your talents, then you need to get get going. You need to take some action, and it will fuel some passion. If you're feeling a little dry for Jesus, get in the game and your passion will come back, okay? It could be ministry partners. It could be food pantries. It doesn't, whatever God puts on your heart, but this is a box you definitely want to check. It doesn't have to, you don't have to go to Uganda, you know, to serve somebody, man. I mean, you can literally serve right here, but God might send you to Uganda, you know, and go with joy if he does. Next Local church. Why the local church? Man, there's so many people. Jesus says, uh, well, the word says in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves. Man, it's important, right? We need to be gathered um, corporately with others. Why? So that we can worship corporately. Dude, the band is like awesome, man. I get fired up watching Sean do his little dance, you know, and I see Sean back there just 
pounding the drums, man. And you're like, Let's, this is awesome, man. They got talent, you know? And uh, I get excited, and I can hear you guys um, in the back, you know? Um, another thing I would encourage you to do is, like, if, if you feel a little dry, like, with your worship, and I have, there is no shame in sitting in the back. I love you guys. They love the, love the back row. But if you feel dry, then you need to be in the front because it's louder, like, and it's just better. I mean, it is. Uh, it, worship it just does not sound as good back there as it does right here. But if you're full back there, then stay back there. But if you're empty, get your butt up here. Like, that's, that's your action, okay? Um, hearing the sound of the gospel, hearing the teaching of Jesus, hearing the word being preached and proclaimed, that's why we come to church. I mean, there's pastors like myself and, and, and Brother Jimmy that uh, we bring the word because God told us to and because he set up the biblical office of pastorship so we can be a blessing to you guys, okay? So we're just walking out the call of God, but your job, my job's to preach it. Your job's to come listen to it, okay? That's just how Jesus set up his kingdom and part of the local church. It's a landing place for lost people, right? I don't care that we have a name out, outside, OPCC. I wouldn't care if we were ZZZZ. It doesn't matter. It's just so that you, when someone asks, hey man, do you go to church? You say, I do. I go to OPCC. It's at 14800 Metcalf. Come on, man. We got the new cross. Let's do it. It's just a place. It's a landing spot so people know where to come and they can hear the gospel and they can see other people worship and they go, Oh, I'm not alone. God's moving in my heart, and he's, like, moving in their life, too, and maybe this is real, right? That's what we do it for. It's a place to serve, okay? God's faithful to give us opportunities to serve one another. It's a place to belong. It's nice to have family and friends. Man, I like seeing you guys. I don't know if you like seeing me, but I get encouraged to see you on Sunday morning. It's a place for storytelling, man. That's why testimonies and baptisms are so important. When you dunk somebody and they tell their story of how Jesus changed their life, it moves in the heart of somebody in the crowd. It does every time. And that's why the church is here for. We can facilitate that opportunity. It's spiritual family vibes, man. Like, we're all, not all of you are my best friend. And none of you are related to me by blood. But we are all spiritual family, man. We're going to be together whether we like it or not for all of eternity. Me and you, those that are saved, that's what Jesus said. That's the gospel. And that is awesome. And so we better get used to hanging out with each other now because it's going to be a long time. Eternity is a long time. Okay? Uh, and so going back, uh, last slide. Man, I, I hope this is encouraging to you guys uh, as you might be wondering, well, man, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, some of you guys are like, I don't know if discipleship's really for me. You know, I don't know if I want to go into a group or if someone is inviting me or not. Or I don't know, like, like I'm kind of feeling this pressure to lead a group. And I don't know if I'm very good at that. You know, like, okay, well, did flex something else, man. Like, if dumbbells aren't your thing, get on the squat rack. That's what I'm telling you, right? Like, that's what this is for, man. There is so much more that Jesus would have for us um, that, and, and, and engage. And if you're passionate, guys, I'm telling you, man, I'm a preacher, uh, but man, my passion is not always there. If you think I'm always passionate about following Jesus, the devil's lied to you. But sometimes, man, I, what I'm the most thing, thing I'm most grateful for, number one, are the people that God's put in my life to spur on my faith. And the two people right now in my life are my wife, Molly, and my friend, Jimmy. Those two people keep me going. 
They stoke my fire, and they see I'm a little bit flat, okay? The other thing I'm incredibly thankful for is responsibility in the kingdom that I've stepped into. I'm a youth pastor. I'm an associate pastor. I got a busy life, and I got a lot to do. I run a business. I got four kids, a wife, all kinds of stuff to do. I'm sure you all do too as well, but guess what? I accepted the call of God, which just so happened to be the role I'm in right now, and it's not easy. In in fact, there's times that it stinks, and I don't like it. (gasps) But guess what? It holds me accountable, right? It keeps me in the game. It, It forces me to take action, and then when I take action, the passion comes out. How about that? That's all. That's how it works. And so if your passion's low, take some action the passion will follow. So I hope this is uh, helpful for you guys. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and, and come on up. And I'm going to close us out um, with a, a, a bit of a reading here. Um, join, turn with me to Isaiah 40. I just felt like Jesus, uh, the, we started this talk with Jesus stepping into the synagogue, rolling out the scroll of Isaiah, and starting his ministry Some of you guys might actually be starting a fruit-bearing life today, a transformed life, whether you do or don't know Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you come into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today you say, I already know Jesus, but I'm not bearing any fruit. We'll start today. What a great opportunity is presented before you. And so I'm going to read uh, from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40. I'll let the band play whenever they're ready. Comfort, comfort my people, Isaiah 40. Comfort, says God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway For our God, John the Baptist, proclaiming the good news of the coming Messiah. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, well, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because of the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. That's passion. That's what he's saying. Go to the mountaintop and tell them about it. That is your life. You're being put on a mountain, man. Tell of the good news. That's what Jesus came here to do. That's why he left his spirit for us, for us to dwell here, so that he could be with us and empower us to do the same thing. See the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers lambs in his arms 
and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Thank the Lord. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? He's measured it all. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. The nations are like dust on the scales of the Lord. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They're regarded him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? And for an idol, a metal worker casts it. A goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains on it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that won't rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that won't topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded that he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? This is God. And its people are like grasshoppers, man. We are tiny, but he cares for us. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. And he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like the chaff. Does the news got you down, man? The Lord isn't worried about it. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of this? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregard disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. Are you weary today? The Lord will give you strength. Even young people grow tired and weary. And young men will stumble and fall. That's me. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Are you flat today? The Lord is here to put some wind in your sail. We're going to take communion. Sean and, and uh, the band are going to continue to play. Um, they've got one full song for us before we go out into the world and do what Jesus asked us to do. The cups uh, are in front of you with the juice and the cracker. We're reminded that that is the representation of the body and the blood of Jesus that was broken and poured out for us. I encourage you to take that communion and reflect. Where are you a little flat 
Where are you hurting? Where are you struggling? Where are you empty? And look to Jesus and let him put you on solid ground. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this offering. Lord, we thank you for um, the communion. We thank you for your life that you gave selfishly, uh, selflessly, excuse me, selflessly for us, Lord. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the passion that you had that we ought to follow hard after. Jesus, make us fruitful. Teach us to be a church that loves you, is passionate about you, and is well-rounded for your purposes. We desire your kingdom come and your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.